Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hello, everybody. It's not just me, though. I've got a wonderful guest with us. I have author Sharon Wegscheider Cruz with us, and she's a family therapist, a businesswoman, and founder of Onsite Workshops. She's the author of 23 books, including bestsellers translated into, get this, 13 languages. Um, and she's got a book out called Storytelling Legacy that she's here to chat with us about. And I know a lot of you are joining us today because um, you are sharing. We've got a lot of people in the audience who are trying to stop drinking. And uh, they are families of people, um, of, of parents who drank and things like that. We've got a lot of people in the Best Ever You Network going through that. So I think we're going to tap, in, tap into that expertise of yours as well, if you don't mind. But first of all, I'd just like to welcome you to our show. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm really happy to be here. I really am. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm going to just go ahead and spell your website. There's a link on the show, but for anybody listening live that wants to head on over to Sharon's website while we are talking live, which a lot of people do, it's Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N, then W-E-G-S-C-H-E-I-D-E-R-C-R-U-S-E.com. So full name. And um, that's how you can find her books and everything. There's a bunch of books. But, um, Sharon, you just recently wrote Storytelling Legacy. Tell us all about it. It looks like it's – well, I've read it. I have a copy. I actually ordered a copy um, here. So I've read it, and I loved it. But uh, tell us – tell the audience why you wrote that book. I wrote that book because I have lots of friends, personal and professional, and they all have such rich stories. And it forced me to think about myself in that vein. And I realized that I've been a lot of places. I've done a lot of things. I've had a fascinating life. And it was just fun to go through my own uh, years of speaking and writing, which is my passion, and um, visiting with people. And I'm of the full belief that everybody has a lot of stories, build them into a manageable piece of information you can share with other people. And I think that's how we as people connect with each other. Oh, I do. I think it's how we heal, too, so you don't feel so alone. Do you agree? Definitely how, how we, definitely, definitely how we heal. And if you really stop and think about it, every television show is a story. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. lifetime is a story. And you mentioned uh, alcoholism, and years ago, um, when I was young and starting out in my professional life, uh, I got together with um, 11 other people who were doing the same, and we came together for professional reasons. And uh, as we started talking with each other, we realized that all of us happened to be from an alcoholic family. And there was this instant communication. There was this instant knowing. Um, We came together for professional reasons. We bonded because of personal reasons. And I knew in that instant that telling my story, them telling their stories, is how the world really works in developing 
intimacy and relationships. Yeah. What are some of the stories in your book that like a couple of them that you could share with us? Uh, there's a lot. It, it was a really interesting read. I'm like, wow, you can just name drop all day long, but, <laughs> but, <don't. laughs> but uh, tell us a couple, couple stories um, that you think are, okay, are well, you know, we're we'll the best ever with, you network. Okay. Uh, we'll start, we'll start with one. It's my belief that all stories, need to be very short if you're going to hold an audience. So this is a short story. I took a new job. Living in Minnesota, I moved to Texas to take a new job. I'm driving on the highway all by myself as a younger professional uh, getting into Texas. And as, and as it would be leaving Minnesota, there was snowstorm after snowstorm. But I, I was on the road, slipping and sliding, determined to get to Texas. And I was just crossing the Texas border, stopped for lunch in a cafe, and this big burly man walked over to me and he said, hello, you must be the Red Rose. And I thought, what's that all about? What's the Red Rose? And he said, well, you've got a red hat on it and a red vest. We could see that. Now that I see you in this cafe, you've got red boots on. And he said, us truckers have named you the Red Rose, and we've been watching you slip and slide all the way from Minnesota to make sure you get there safely. Oh, isn't that sweet? (laughs) Yeah, so my handle, my trucking handle is the Red Rose. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great story about humanity. I always say if you see a trucker on the road, thank him for your meal that day. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's a a really good point. Um, Thank you for that reminder um, and story. So that's that's very sweet. People just pass by truckers all the time like they're, you know, oh, yeah, it's a trucker or whatever. And they, they really do so much for us, don't they? Oh, they do. They do. So that's my trucker story. Do you want another quick one? I lived in Las Vegas for 22 years. That provided me with many stories. Don't gamble. Don't really drink. And But I love the shows and I love the food. And I mm-hmm. loved the Las Vegas area. So one night, my husband and I were downtown and somebody was hawking Michael Jackson tickets. So now you know this was a while ago. So we bought, for not very much money, we bought wonderful tickets to go see Michael Jackson. Well, there were actually thousands of people there that night at the MGM Grand. And I'm a small person, and I was just carried by often the crowd, shoulder to shoulder. My feet weren't even touching the ground. And... um On the way out, I said to my husband, Joe, I can't handle this crowd. Let's leave and sneak out a side door, even though they all say do not enter. I said, I got to get out of here. So we opened up a door. No sirens went off. But we found ourselves going down a long, dark hole into the underground of the strip of Las Vegas. And as we're walking through this underground, we find that there's a whole city under the city. And sad to say, it's kind of a homeless part of Las Vegas that most people don't even know that it's there. So we followed along in the dark. We learned a great deal about the homeless population. 
We walked down there for probably 20 minutes before we could find our way out. And we found our way out and we came up in a different casino in a different part of downtown. And so that's how I learned about the underground of Las Vegas. Hmm. No, we would know that's there either. That's not something people, I, w- I never knew that. Did you? I mean, yeah, you can is, is that it. common knowledge? It is common knowledge, but most people don't know about it because why would they? You know, yeah. but you can yeah. Google it and you get what information you can. Interesting. So would you say, let's go back to the, go back to more about the book, just kind of overview. Thank you for your stories because sure. I, I, I love your good, great storyteller. Um, what would you say the overall like book's message is? Like, is there a, I'm hearing a theme, but maybe tell us. Well, my theme is for everybody to take the time and make the effort and distill their stories and leave a legacy for the people they know and love. Hmm. Um, I think everybody, if they really pay attention to their life, can find so many interesting stories. Uh, they're there. They're about friendship. They're about life. They're about death. They're about illness. They're about joy. They're about travel. They're about hopes and dreams. And I think it's easy to lose sight of the power that is in stories. And if you know and love someone, you might have a a partner, a friend, uh, a child, a grandchild. Um, people want to know about you. And I think it's each person's obligation to tell them. Keep it short. Have a beginning. Have a middle. Have an end. If possible, have a punchline or a lesson. And then just keep sharing those stories. And in that, people will find intimacy and connection and friendships. You don't want to ramble on and on, but you do want to share your story. And so my goal in writing the book was to share stories. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I when I picked up the book, I thought I saw that you'd been on Oprah and Phil Donahue and Larry King and Today, you know, in all these pretty famous places. And I thought, oh, this, when it said storytelling legacy, I thought it was going to be a, a how-to book of how to tell a story. Like I, was, I expected to pick mm-hmm. up the book and, and be taught like how to do a TED talk or something like that. And I was so pleasantly surprised that that's what, what it wasn't, but it was. <laughs> if you know but what I mean. Indirectly it is. Indirectly, <laughs> indirectly it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Indirectly it, it is. I think those four points are so important. Keep it short, have a beginning, have a middle and have an end. And your story can be, uh, 25 words long, or it can be 25,000 words long. Uh, but those four components have to be made. And in the back of the book, I don't know if you read through that part, there is yeah. a guide for how to put together a storytelling group. There is a study guide. And uh, I know of a, several of those uh, um, groups that have now started, and they just call themselves storytelling groups. And they go once a week, they practice their stories, they realize they have a a lot more. Just reading the contents of the book, I divide it up into family connections, 
some stories are humorous. Everybody's got a humorous story about themselves or somebody they know and love. Uh, relationships, surprises, spirituality, making choices in life, all of that is the fodder of storytelling. Yeah, I, I love I think I love anybody that as well. can be a storyteller. Do you? Yeah. Do you really I think, think so? Yes, I do. Your show, for example, is a story. You know, it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. Hopefully it has a lesson, and it does. I think almost anyone can become a storytelling, and I think storytelling in itself right now is in. Um, People are doing podcasts about storytelling. They're doing interview shows about storytelling. Um, they're doing newspaper articles about storytelling. You hear a lot about it, right? Because I think we're over information with, um, what would you say, just generic information. I mean, the news isn't particularly fun to hear right now, although we all have to know what's going on. We're kind of over-contented and under-emotional or feeling or relatability. And storytelling provides that vehicle. Yeah, we. I like to be, um, when I very first started out doing this all the way back in 2008, I vowed I would be like a trusted place in space where people could just go to and like trust it was going to be that exact same thing. People networking, stories um, you could, you know, relate to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it's comforting to hear you, to hear you say that. And I, I appreciate the compliment uh, about the show and um, your your take on the show, because that's exactly what we hope to be, uh, to kind of counter all that Good. stuff that's out there um, that you just don't know what you're clicking on or listening to and don't know whether your kids can even listen to it. It's like, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, one of the things true. that I love to talk about on this, on, on the Best Ever You Network as a whole is age. Um, I am 52, almost 53 years old. I have four sons. Um, you have children, grandchildren, um, your soulmate, Joe, you have all these things and you've put a book out at, you know, you're not 20, you're not 25, you're not 30. You know, it's pretty cool to have a book out um, and, and keep going and doing all these things. I don't think life ends at 40 anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) It doesn't. It gets better and better and better. And I also have great grandchildren. Oh, cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I do. And I think if we pay attention, life is very, very rich and keeps providing us. I think it's our job as each of us do get older, again, to pay attention um, to our past. Uh, I don't live in the past, but I like to say the past lives in me. And, Mm -hmm. And so the ways I can connect everywhere I've come from, to those that are coming after me, I'm finding that storytelling is the best way to do that. I think it's also important as I get older to be a story listener. There's nothing I love more than to sit down and listen to my grandchildren tell me about their life. They have incredible stories. They live in a very different world than I do right now, and they live in such an over-contented world that sometimes they don't pay enough uh, attention to their own stories. 
So I'm also a good interviewer. <laughs> I like <laughs> to interview my grandkids, and I don't even know if they know they're being interviewed. But <laughs> <So cute>. they, <laughs> they end up telling me a lot about their lives. And uh, most of us have the ability to live in a, at least a three-generational family. We, most of us, um, not myself, um, but I was going to say many people and people your age still have an opportunity to have parents around. Um, so you can talk both ways. What a wonderful place to be in life. Midlife is a wonderful, wonderful place to be because you begin to really appreciate the past and you get to shape the future. And the older I get, the more time I've had that I'm going to have and so it just keeps me sharper. It actually keeps me sharper um, because I'm aware I will have less time. But I write books. I write a weekly column called uh, Ponderings, and I ponder these things. And uh, my Ponderings uh, is connected to the website you talked about earlier. But every Wednesday, I ponder either back or forward with my grandkids and um, I love just staying as as vibrant and as energetic as I can. And even with my own peer group who is older, you know, I am older and I do have a book out. And it's brand new and it's, it's um, being recognized by all ages and stages. And uh, I think it's important for me to talk to other people my own age too and encourage them to get aboard to get out and get active, stay active. Well put. You know, and I think we, we both uh, take great comfort in being with the publisher HCI. Uh, I would love for you to, yes. you have known them longer than I have, I think. Um, and I have had the just enormous them. privilege of, of putting a new book out with them too. And um, I feel like I am uh, like at home, I feel like I have family. I feel like people got have my back in an interesting industry. Book book industry is is a, a tough industry, and uh, it's don't you don't you just feel great with them? I feel wonderful with them, and to tell you the truth, yeah. uh, this book is my twenty fourth published book, hmm. and uh, I have had two other publishers, and once I met the HCI, health communication people, I never ventured to another publisher because they keep growing and changing too. They yeah. they offer, they as they always have, they offer lifestyle direction. In the, in the arena of wellness and hope and change, you mentioned change earlier when we were talking about it, they're all about that. And they model what they do. I could not be a happier author than to have my connection with HCI. And many times I have thanked them for inspiring me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just thanked Christine the other day again. I was like, you know, this is just the coolest thing <laughs> to be able to have a book out with you. And, yeah, again, all right. Um yeah, thank you, HCI, and they're at hcibooks.com. Do you uh, let's, let's let's talk about um, the national? If we can, just, just totally shift gears, if you don't mind, um, to get in sure. the the part about um, children of alcoholics, alcoholism, 
and um, all of the work that you have done in this area. I personally am not a child of alcoholics, and I am a human being that doesn't drink. I've never really taken that habit up, thank goodness. I don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, you know, all that stuff. I'm pretty vocal about it. Um, it's just not my shtick. Um, but there are a lot of people I look around, I'm like, oh, people ache from this. They're hurt from this. Um, talk more about it and way more intelligently than I am here, <laughs> please. Yes, I'll be happy to tell you about that. And actually, we're circling back to where we started because I said years ago, there was a group of professionals, um, myself being one of them, but we were we were different psychologists. Uh, we had a couple of nurses, three doctors, uh, counselors. We were all interested in, um, at that time, addiction was... Uh, First of all, becoming a profession, my husband was certified and part of the first class of, he was a doctor, and he added another specialty in his field called addictionology. And we were just looking at this whole thing of, of addiction in the 1970s, and these professionals came together to see what we could do to provide more information in the school system about addiction. Well... We met, and there was a lady by the name of Joan Crock, whose husband owned yep. McDonald's. And so philanthropically, she paid to hand pick us from around the country to come together to see what we could do about education and addiction. So everybody met, and the purpose of our meeting was, as I say, to develop curriculum for education. However, in the very first meeting, everybody told their story, storytelling, and we found out we were all children who grew up with alcoholic families. And mm-hmm. what a coincidence that was. And we yeah. bonded very closely. And out of that, we became the original board of directors for what grew into something called the National Association for Children of Alcoholics, to which at this point, has millions of members, not only in the United States, but maybe seven or eight other countries, for all children who grew up in alcoholic families and have had legislation, we've had bills passed, we've developed treatment programs, we have brought children of alcoholics into uh, daily conversation. Out of that came the whole codependency field. Out of that came many, many things. Yeah. So that was my first entree. I was the first chairman of the board of that organization, and I support them to this day. Why do you think children of alcoholics need um, support like this? Like what, you know, I know there's a lot of reasons, but can you, like if somebody's listening out there and they're like, yeah, this is me and I need help, um, where where do they go? What I'll, do they do, and, to, and why? Yeah, I'll try to pinpoint that as easily as I can. And uh, first of all, if you're living in a home where there's alcoholism uh, that is developed, you're living in a home that doesn't have a lot of emotional connection. They may be connected in a lot of other ways, but if uh, they had um, emotional connection, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of uh, fear, fear. 
I mean, you can't be around uh, uh, alcoholism without feeling like you're different from everybody else. You think what goes on in your home never goes on in anybody else's home. And you're trying to find an identity for yourself. You're trying to grow up with some self-care, some self-worth, and yet you feel very private. You don't want people to know what's going on in your home. So if all of a sudden um, you find out that there are others like you, of course you're going to want to get connected. And a lot of people, as a matter of fact, I have to tell you, that I, I I had an appointment last week with a new doctor. And this doctor comes in and he's feeling all confident and and um we start to talk. I left that session finding out he's the oldest child from an alcoholic family. Mm-hmm. And how that happened is we were talking about being the oldest in a family of need and we we can recognize each other because we head up organizations. Uh, there's kind of like four ways families develop, and I'm going to mention them real quick, and I'll make it quick. But if there is an alcoholic family, there's usually one child that excels more than all the others, and quite often it's the oldest child. It doesn't have to be, but most oldest children you meet from an alcoholic family feel responsible for everything. They really try to make things better. They get good grades. They are sports heroes. They're blah, blah, blah. And I called that just for purposes of understanding the family hero. And then there's another role that happens a lot, and it's the, it's the one that's next to the family hero in the family very often. It's the one that feels like they can't keep up. And they sometimes get scapegoated in the family. If there's just two kids, that might be all the roles there are, but sometimes there's more children and they just get lost in the shuffle. And then there's usually one in the family that tries to distract all the trauma in the family by being silly and fun. And I began to develop these roles years ago, and not only did alcoholic families relate to them, but so did any family. They became very common ways of trying to simply look at a complicated problem of family system dynamics. And I am a family system dynamic therapist, and so I'm into all that. But children from alcoholic homes really struggle with these kinds of positions in the family, trying to fix the alcoholism that sometimes they can't name it, but they feel it. Does that help at all? Well, it does, and I I have so many questions. Um, How Can that translate into, like, adult children of alcoholics? I mean, can this carry on into your adulthood? Absolutely, without question. And and unless attention to, uh, now you can get uh, uh, kits and subjects in schools that deal with all this, but untreated, unrecognized, unknown, you find uh, in, a, in children who have grown up from these families, you find uh, the family hero develops a lifestyle of caretaking. They tend to become doctors, teachers, nurses. Uh, their goal in life is to be there for everybody else. Uh, our prison systems, our uh, drunk driving courses, our troubled people, 
they end up troubled later in life. And then there's a lot you never hear from that just become lost in the system. Yes, it's a very metaphoric way of looking at both childhood and adulthood. Yeah. Um, I, I heard Minnesota, and, and you say Minnesota. Uh, are you from Minnesota? Mm-hmm. I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> I'm probably Where? from Minnesota as well. <laughs> uh, born, I was born in, in Bloomington. Yeah, I am. I'm not kidding. I was born in Minneapolis. My mom was Miss Minnesota, uh, Miss Bloomington. Sorry, she's yeah. Miss Bloomington. Yeah, my my um, I'm from I was Bloomington, Minnesota area, and my family well, right I'm now very. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just going to tell you I'm from a very small town in southern Minnesota. I bet I know it. Which one is it? Humphrey. I know Humphrey. Yeah, down by My, Mankato. Yep, I know Mankato very well. I, I was raised in Iowa. Um, I, I was okay. born in Minnesota, raised in Iowa, and then back to Minnesota, then to California, and now I live in Maine. Um, lot, uh, lots of traveling around for me, but my family right now lives in Lakeville and Shakopee and uh, Burnsville and you know all those areas. So yeah, we oh, know Minnesota know very well. All those areas. Oh, you just brought a smile to my heart. I <laughs> love being a Midwesterner. Yeah. I love being from the Midwest. Oh, yep, that I do is too. great. Isn't that fun? I'm happy I you like that. <laughs> yeah, and well, Minnesota. Uh, oh, go ahead, Minnesota. What? I wanted to say that I wanted to say that Minnesota was the home of all the early treatment for addiction. Mm. Yeah, it, there's a lot of uh, centers there. I can't. There's a famous one there, and I can't. It's escaping my name right now. But there's a very famous probably center. Golden. Hazelton, yes, that's it. Um, well, and then, can I, can I tell you one thing about Bloomington? Oh, you can tell me anything about anything. I'm I'm all ears. I'm trying not to interrupt you. I can't see you, so you know we're we're in different places and spaces, so I can't see you. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'll just tell you one more thing. Um, in 1976, perhaps uh, you would you would have no way of knowing that. In 1976. We filled what used to be the Bloomington baseball field yep. with 26,000 recovering alcoholics and had a rally. Wow. And what, Largest what was it called? Gathering Freedom Fest. Freedom Fest. I'll have to look at that. Another, cool. It was under, I believe it was under Governor Wendell Anderson. I'm pretty sure he was governor at the time. But already in 76, we had 26,000 recovering alcoholics in Minnesota. Wow. I wonder what you could fill now. Now, is that like where the Mall of America is now? Yes. Out in that area. That's where the Bloomington Stadium used to be. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. My my (laughs) uncle had his graduation there. (laughs) My my family went to um, Kennedy High School in, uh, I don't know if you know what Kennedy High School is in Bloomington. I'm and not then, that uh, familiar. I was from uh, Hopkins and Edina. Yep, I know Hopkins and Edina too. It's funny. And then you mentioned when you were mentioning Joan Crock. When I lived in Minnesota, I used yes. to work for a company called Merrill Corporation, and my office was okay. right next to a gentleman by the name of Bill Bifolk. And I don't know if you know that name or not. I, I don't know that name. Just, yeah, he. I don't know if they 
if they were just friends or if they dated or married or I have no idea, but um, they, I know they knew each other a lot. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's saying if you knew, but that's, that's live radio right there. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah what, what, what wonderful uh, connection. You'll, you'll like this too. Oh, yeah. So I'm in the middle of 11 kids. Okay. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> so our family dynamic loops, doesn't it? A couple times. <laughs> There's, does that mean there's yes, I three so. heroes and <laughs> yes? <laughs> oh, that is such an interesting, interesting thing. Well, I mentioned Joan Croc because uh, Ray Croc owns or did own and found McDonald's, but if you spell Croc backwards, it's Cork, C-O-R-K, and the Cork Foundation has been at the bases of many, many social programs, uh, including alcoholism. And uh, she was actually the the person that brought that uh, initial 11 people together that became mm-hmm. founders. So it's, it's um, well, when you tell stories, you find out it's a smaller world and we're all more alike than we're different. I agree. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back then to your to your newer book. Um, yes. You know, let's talk about like legacy. Like, do you have any advice for people who are wanting to think about the footprint that they're gonna leave, like legacy stories and things like that? Is there a uh, is there something we should do? Should we be writing this down? Should we be verbalizing it? Should we be telling anybody who will listen? What what what's the best way to to get those messages out? Well, there are so many ways now. Uh, I think I chose writing. I've been a writer since I was about nine years old and have something published in the paper. And um, so writing has been my vehicle. But people today have so many choices. I mean, just take social media alone. You can write a column. You can write a take a position. You're doing a radio show. I do think people should find some way to make note of their stories. They'll think they'll never forget them. I mean, when I was a part of gathering uh, these thousands of people in Minnesota, you'd think you would never forget being part of it. We had Dick Van Dyke come be our um, our master of ceremonies that night. And you think, oh, this is going to be in my life forever. Well, then years later, you do start to forget. But tell mm-hmm. the people in your lifespan, whether that's a, a, a mate, whether that's your children, start telling short stories. And then I do think, write them down. If nothing more, take a three-ring notebook and write down, this was important to me or I was involved in this. And if, you, if you're if you not a writer, I told you writing is my passion, but if you're not a writer, have a touchstone of something. Either tell somebody, write something down, um, I am in process right now of just going through 500 hours of uh, old videos and putting them in story form for my family to have. And um, whatever your thing is, um, start a storytelling group. You will be amazed at what comes out. And in the back of the book, there's a, as to how to have your first 10 meetings. And just get in the habit of rethinking what's going on and put it in a story form. Uh, my true belief is the world is over-contented and understoried. 
There's just information everywhere you look. And some of it's good, some of it's positive, some of it's negative, some of it is just boring. Uh, But start finding your little world where you take command of your own stories and begin to share them. It's freeing. It produces self-worth. It grounds you. And start living from your center instead of from what you take in. Wise, wise words. I think maybe we'll do something like that in the Best Ever You Network. Maybe we'll start a little story group on, on, in your honor. Um, we'll see if, if we can, oh, we can do wonderful. something like that. Yeah, I think we're going to do that. So um, I'm putting it out there, and um, we'll see. We'll, we'll act, take some action on that and get it organized because uh, maybe you can come and speak for a little bit on our, on our first well, I'm couple meetings say, or something. If you ever <laughs> we'll do see. that, contact yeah. me. I'd love to be part of it. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. If you ever do All that, right. be in touch with me because I think it's wonderful. Yeah, we. I'm. I think we will do something like that. So it's. It's been really. Um, it's been so wonderful to uh, learn more about you and learn about your new book, Storytelling Legacy. Uh, is there anything that, like, I haven't asked you? I feel like I could, I could go on for hours asking you different questions. But is there anything uh, for this show's purpose that I haven't asked you that I maybe should have asked? I can't think of anything that you could ask (laughs) me. I guess I would like to turn the table and ask you, um, can you tell me in one sentence, uh, why did you start this show? I think it's a wonderful show, and I love your title. Oh, thank you. Uh, It was in a moment of feeling my worst. I wanted to be my best and help other people be their best. Oh, I love that. Absolutely, just a, a moment where... Um, I, you know, I have four sons and I thought I wanted to go back to work and I got there and I was in the middle of four, four other boys fighting and I shut my door and I'm like, best ever me, best ever you. Aha, <laughs> best ever you. There's a lot of people me, like me that don't want to be here. <laughs> and uh, just, Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I and, really you know, love it. Thank you. Yeah. And it, it well, I if you started... send me a link, I will, I will send your link out in my work too. Awesome. Yeah, it, and I, I started this interviewing my best friend from kindergarten who was sewing baby bibs on her kitchen table. And she was, yeah, and she was oh. crying over them because she was having trouble having kids and she was attending everybody else's baby shower. And I'm like, we're not alone here. We are not alone in our flight. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. So, But um, I really, I really, really, really appreciate you uh, being here. It's been wonderful to get to know you. I hope you'll come back. And um, I look forward Thank to you. meeting with you in our storytelling group. I'm going to give everybody your website one more time and close out the show here. One of the things you'll learn about me is I don't like to end things. <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that makes me an interesting storyteller. Um, everybody, um, we have to go because it's time. And um, uh, we really appreciated Sharon Wakescheider Cruz being here with us. That is her website. There's a link in the show. And again, um, I want to just thank everybody for listening to our show and remind you that the Best Ever You show it has been very husband-funded for a very long time um, and has grown grassroots because of you. Because when we're here, you're listening, and you buy their, our guest books, and you share their links, and you meet people and network and talk to each other and everything, and that's what we're all about. So we're word of mouth. I do not advertise the show. Everybody knows that. And we have millions of downloads. And I'm very grateful. We've been doing this show since 2010. It's now 2022. There's almost 700 shows now, and we're going to keep going. Um, Somebody just asked me the other day, am I going to stop? And I'm like, no, I've got so much more to do. So let's do it. And um, 
we've kicked off our fall season here with Sharon, and I'm so grateful for you being here, Sharon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, best of luck with your new book, everybody. Go buy it, Storytelling Legacy, right? Yay, there's my applause. Right. I don't have an applause. Thank button, you, Sharon. Elizabeth. <laughs> All right, take thank care, you. everybody. Thank, thank you so much for listening. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.